the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and as we roll into the uh, second hour of our three-hour tour, uh, my guest this hour is the author of uh, a new novel um, called Early Thursday, A War, A Hurricane, A Miracle by Linda S. Cunningham, and Linda joins me by phone. Hi, Linda. Hi, good morning. Welcome to the show. Um, this book really, um, it, it's a novel, tells a story through the voice of 12-year-old Walt LaCour, and um, it's uh, a fictional memoir. I'm going to ask you what that means in just a moment, but the backdrop is Hurricane Audrey, and next month marks the, the 63rd anniversary, I believe, of uh, Hurricane Audrey. Um, why this particular hurricane for this story, and, and why now? It's not 50th, it's not 75th. Is there something significant about the 63rd anniversary? Not necessarily the anniversary, but it, we're going into hurricane season, ah. and uh, this hurricane in 1957 hit Cameron, Louisiana, and went on up through Lake Charles. And as you know, that last year, Hurricane Laura devastated the coast and and Lake Charles in Louisiana. And Lake and Charles so, is where you grew up. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so it's significant going into hurricane season and to be reminded of the devastation that these hurricanes wreak. Now, when you say a fictional memoir, (laughs) how much of the story is Walt's and how much of it is Linda's? 
uh, it's made up. Walt is just a character I made up. Uh, But I did experience a lot of the high wind, and my father was director of civil defense, and I heard all of the survival stories. So I uh, included a lot of that in my in my book, uh, and then I made it made up the characters and wove the story together. And a fictional memoir. He's writing the memoir as an old man, so we oh. know that he's the hurricane but it's about when he was 12 years old but it's more than just surviving the the hurricane it's about his life and his struggles for his own um, identity we have a a paternity question involved and um, so so forth so that's how I came about writing this but it was through a lot of the stories that I heard and 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 also filled with lots of uh um, Louisiana um, culture and characters. Right. It's the story about the Cajuns uh, that uh, uh, populated the Cameron area and in throughout Louisiana. And uh, so it includes the Cajun culture. And it was a hunting and fishing culture. So that's why I wrote in the voice of a 12-year-old bo- uh, boy. And is is that tough to do to to try to um, get inside the the head of a twelve year old boy? I had to talk myself into that one because I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then I just started thinking about it, and I grew up with brothers. I have grandsons. I have a husband. I have a lot of male editors. And to tell you the truth, people my age used to read books by male authors, always in the male voice. I mean, we had Little Women and Nancy Drew series, but um, that, that, there weren't many women writers back then, so we grew up reading in the male voice, so it, it turned out to be pretty easy to do. How did a Stradivarius end up in this story? Well, I wanted to include something with the Cajun music. They're just known for their music. They're happy people. They love their Fado Do's. And, and so I just included this, uh, and it, um, a savant, an autistic savant, and a violin. They were both masters. Uh, you know, the one was made by a master violinist, and Ailey, the character, the uh, autistic savant was a master violinist with no um, no lessons. See, I don't, so when I, when you start talking story. about when you start talking about Cajun culture and Cajun music, I don't think Stradivarius violin. I think fiddle. Oh yes, I know. <laughs> but, he, but he could uh, adapt to any type of music, so he did. Well, that's a fun part of the story. Um, well, and the reason being, uh, I discovered something about Louisiana history that I didn't know about. Uh, in Franklin, Louisiana, there was a German POW camp there. And uh, the reason that the Germans were sent back to that camp, it was a minimum security camp, but the reason they were sent back was so that they could work the cane fields and the rice fields while all the boys were out uh, um, in the war. 
in World War II. And so they were gone, so these Germans took over that job. And so uh, that's how I get, I get into the story of the violin, because it was a prisoner of war from Germany that brings it over. And uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting, and it works very well in the book. And, and how significant was it that, that this particular hurricane happened um, a, a fairly short time after the end of World War II? They had just kind of tried to become normal again after World War II, and then this devastation hits them again because when hurricanes hit, they hit for maybe a day, and then you're stuck with rebuilding, you know, for an entire year. And the people in Lake Charles are still re- rebuilding from hurricanes Laura and Delta. So, because this story is told by uh, Walt Lacour, uh, and and it's a memoir of his, and and he reaches back to uh, relive uh, the events of of his 12-year-old self. Um, who is the audience you're hoping to re- reach? Because it, it sounds like it's uh, maybe young adults. It's all ages. And you know what's amazing? That a lot of the comments I've gotten on my Facebook page and, and people are writing, and, and the uh, reviews I've gotten have been men. Men seem to like it the, the most. Um, well, it's got, you know... A, a war, a hurricane, there's a, a mystery, a kind of an adventure that happens, and, you know, what what's not to like? <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right. And this book is funny, it'll make you laugh, and it will make you cry. And every time I read it, certain areas of it, I cry, and I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> When you're when you're writing a book like this, um, it, how much of it is is planned out and outlined, and how much of it sort of tells itself? That that's very interesting, but it does happen. You you put all your plot points out, your your major things, and then you start because you, in the beginning you have to get all your backgrounds and setups and so forth, and. Um, for example, you know, um, Walt says, um, uh, th- uh, this book is about transformation. It's about how he goes on with his life. Uh, but he climbs this oak tree, and he says, I climbed higher and higher into a higher perspective. So that's a setup for this transformation that's going to happen, and that happens early on in the book. And so, But then there comes to a point where you really get into the head of the kid and in his voice, and it's like he's writing it, you know, and it just it just flows. And how did uh, I, I? I keep reading this phrase over again. Um, it uh, the the book is called Early Thursday, a war, a hurricane, a miracle. And it just, it seems, um, how much does the war 
play a role in this the story or is the fact that the war had very recently ended um, sort of parenthetical to it? Right, and that goes back to the German POWs. We were still in the war then when his mother, so there's a backstory there with his mother in the 40s during the war. Uh, and so that, that's how the war comes into play, and because there's a backstory and a love story there. With writing this book, um, did you have the story in mind first and then cast the characters in it or did you kind of know you had a character and you wanted to tell a story of that character I didn't have a, a particular character in mind but I one of the true stories in the book is uh, this boy and I, this was something my father told me this boy came in on a tugboat they had rescued him uh from a tree, and he told my father that he was drowning, and he kept swimming up to the top to see this beautiful lady, and he didn't know who she was or anything, but anyway, this lady was in a tree, and this lady kept waving to him to come, come, and swim, swim to the tree, and he did, and he got to the tree and climbed up in it, and she had disappeared. And so he doesn't know whether this is a miracle or whether this is an angel or, or who it is, but it happened, and she saved his life. So with that little nugget, I spun the story all around it. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's a fascinating story. How much research did you have to do, and how much could you pull from your own personal knowledge of events of that time? My father kept a um, file on Hurricane Audrey. He had all the newspaper clippings, everything. So I just read through all of that. And then I was uh, about nine years old then, and so I, you know, um, I listened I was a great listener back then, an observer, and I think that's lent itself well for writing. And I remember standing around the uh, kitchen table, and we kept uh, we housed ref refugees, and so did our neighbors, because back then there weren't a lot of hotels, there wasn't a lot of fast food. These people needed a place to go, so uh, they went to the different gymnasiums in, in Lake Charles, but in all our neighbors house people and I remember standing around this table and adults were all talking and this woman to told me told us her story and she was in a, tr a tree hanging on with her toddler in one hand and her infant in the other and the waves just these 20 foot tidal waves just kept going over the tree and uh, then it would recede back and it would come again and uh, and she, there was a point where she was just exhausted and her arms gave out and she dropped her babies in the surf. And um, I heard this and I saw her cry and saw her witness her darkest hour and it was quite moving for me then. And I L knew... Linda, I have to take a break here. Can you stick around? Everybody okay, we'll have more right after this. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors.
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody, uh, as we uh, continue my conversation with the author of a new novel called Early Thursday, A War, A Hurricane, A Miracle, Linda Cunningham. Linda, welcome back, and thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, thank you. No, no problem. Linda, how did you, um, you mentioned in the last segment that uh, you were a good listener, but how did you decide to become a writer? I have written all of my life. I started out writing little poems to my parents, and my father encouraged me, and um, uh, he he always wanted me to, to write. In fact, I wrote um, a screenplay on his life story and um it turned out very well and and he he says i'm not going to hire anybody to do this you're going to do it and i said i don't know how to do it and he says will you find out and i'll pay for pay for it so he did and so i i have a degree in creative writing and uh, from the university of houston and then i have a uh, a bachelor's and a master's from mcneese state university in Lake Charles, and in health and physical education. Uh, So anyway, he encouraged me to do this, and I fell in love with it. I was always a reader. Um, So, I mean, it's kind of a uh, (laughs) late-in-life career, but but I never published anything earlier, but I've written other novels and things that uh, I could possibly pull together and publish them. But this story was just in my gut. I had to release this. Uh, because of what I witnessed as a child. And so it made a huge impact on me. So I'm glad I was able to put, pull this thing together. Well, you've won awards for screenwriting. How, how is it that this became a novel and not a screenplay? Uh, well, I may end up writing it into a, a screenplay. But you know what I love about novels is that you can get into the, their heads and you don't have to show <laughs> everything, you know. You can get into their heads, and I, I love that part of it. You can develop that character so much more. Um, with a story like this, um, it, it's hard not to imagine a screen version of it. I know, because of of the catastrophic catastrophic events in it, it would require a lot of special effects. But uh, it, it, it lends itself to a movie. It does. I write very visually, for one thing. And, um, you know, I paint a picture for you. Well, the, um, the story takes place, uh, again, in um, post-World War II Louisiana. And in the wake of uh, Hurricane Audrey, uh, tell us a little bit about Hurricane Audrey. And, um, and you mentioned earlier that hurricane season is upon us. Um, what do you hope that people will take away from this book? But let's, let's talk about Hurricane Audrey first. Hurricane Audrey came in a day early. And people thought they had more time to get out. But what they didn't realize was that the high water came in first. And it covered the roads. And they couldn't get out. Unless you had a boat, you were stuck. And so you were just at the mercy of Mother Nature with these tidal waves coming in. And, of course, there's a lot of uh, snakes and things like that in trees as well. And a a lot of... uh, 
you know, houses are just torn apart and telephone poles are floating and, and cattle carcasses are all around. They're floating. And, in fact, one of the true stories, uh, I didn't include it in this book, but the, uh, one of the true stories my dad said was they found a live infant floating on a dead cow. And, uh, I mean, that was miraculous in itself. Uh, so a lot of strange things happen during hurricanes, and and uh, it's devastating. The wind is unbelievable, and the noise that it makes, and you just realize that you're just at the mercy of God because there's nothing you can do about it. So what uh, uh, during hurricane season, the one one of the major things that for for example visitors that go and visit the coastal states during hurricane season they need to pay attention to the weather and the news and if the authorities tell you to get out do so don't try to ride out a hurricane but now the uh, locals that live there they've grown up with all of this stuff and they do know uh, when to get out uh, some of them want to stay uh, a little longer and but uh, I got to tell you a funny story. I had a, a friend who was living in Texas and there was a hurricane headed in their direction and the local sheriff had uh, advised everybody to hunker down. He didn't mm -hmm. he didn't say evacuate. And so I thought, well, I'm going to call my friend up. And, and I was doing a radio show, and I, I was calling live to get kind of an update from Texas and what was going on with the hurricane and the school closings and all of that kind of stuff. And so I get a hold of her, and she's on the phone, and I said, uh, how are things down there? And she says, I don't know. I'm in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> She said the sheriff came on and said, hunker down. And I thought, I don't know anything about hunkering down. I'm going to Nashville. <laughs> that was a smart move. <laughs> I, I think it was. Um, but it's it's pretty common in that area to have hurricanes happen. What are you expecting from, from the upcoming hurricane season? What are you hearing that it's... Well, I'm not sure. We just hope and pray we don't, Louisiana doesn't get any more. We don't want anyone, any state to get it. it. It's devastating. But they have had their share with Hurricane Laura and Delta coming in back to back. And uh, Lake Charles is just torn up. Uh, and you can't even find landmarks, the trees and so forth. They're down. All those beautiful oak trees. And... Um, just a sea of blue roofs with the blue tarp on top, you know, the plastic. So, um, um, you know, I, I just feel so sorry for these people. So, But this uh, hurricane is, I wrote it as a love story for the victims and volunteers of Hurricane Audrey, but also with a much empathy for the victims and the volunteers of Hurricanes Laura and Delta. And what made you decide this was going to be um, a, a, a memoir that looks back at a whole life and not just focused on that the survival of the hurricane? Right. He, um, you know, this book is about the losses that shape us the regrets that we hold on to, survival guilt, 
forgiveness, and, and most of all, love. And this boy grows up with an abusive, alcoholic father. He thinks he hates his father. And uh, when this catastrophic event happens, he changes his mind. He finds out that he truly loved his father. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's a sad story, but it's timeless because we are all hit with catastrophic events, whether it's wildfires, sub-zero temperatures, tornadoes, flash floods, whatever. It all affects us, um, you know, and our families and communities. And so this is a timeless piece. It's about overcoming um, all of this. What's, uh, what's next for you, Linda? Is there another book in the works? Yes, I'm writing right now on Merrill's Marauders. My father was a marauder with General Merrill during World War II, and they were stationed behind behind Japanese lines in Burma, which is now Myanmar. But um, anyway, they recently got the Congressional Gold Medal in October, and it has not been awarded yet, but they tell me that It'll be awarded at the end of this year or maybe the beginning of the next. They're, um, um, and they're going to house the gold medal in the Smithsonian. So, but I have his diary, and he's kept it daily. And so I'm going to uh, write a story from that. You know, it's, it's uh, interesting you talk about uh, the file that your dad kept on, uh, on the... Um on Hurricane Audrey and how that's where a lot of your research for the book came from. Um, but in the story itself, uh, a diary pops up. Uh, yes, it, it does, because um, uh, I wanted Walt to face the paternity question and the love story, the previous love story of his mother. And so um, that's why I brought that into it. And then uh, that increased um, the animosity toward his father and thinking that that's why his father was so mean to him. Now, when you were, uh, Linda, when you were growing up in, in uh, Cameron, or no, no uh, Lake up. Charles, Lake Charles, forgive me, I read the wrong line here. Um when you were growing up there, did you know about the the nearby um, internment camp for uh, German soldiers? No, I didn't. I didn't. A friend of mine, um, uh, his name is Elton Louvier, he's passed away, uh, but uh, he was a famous Louisiana painter. He was friends of mine. He was a friend and his wife. And they took me to Franklin, Louisiana, where he grew up, and he introduced me to all these people that were alive when the Germans got off of the train and marched to the um, the camp, the POW camp. And uh, they were so cute. I interviewed this little 86-year-old woman, and she was so precious. And she said that she had never seen that pink skin and that blonde hair and blue eyes. And <laughs> she says, all... <laughs> All the men had gone, and she said, pretty soon we started lifting our skirts just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) She was so cute. 
But she was Cajun, and so most of the French, you know, have dark hair, uh, dark hair and eyes, and they had never seen a, a blue-eyed blonde. So now, today, in um, that part of, the, of Louisiana, we have a lot of blonde, blue-eyed um, Thibodeaux and Boudreaux and Arsenaux and <laughs> with French last names. Now, this is b- being called a debut novel um, for you. Yes. But yet, you made reference to some other books that you've written. Um, are they just unpublished, unfinished? Well, they're unpublished. They're unpublished. I, I've got to go in and tweak it. And, and you know, I was learning. I was, went to school for it. But, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of writing, it, it's just on-job training, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just start writing and... And you figure it out, and then I've got tons of books. And, and you know, one thing that I've noticed using my background in literature and creative writing is that I was exposed to a lot of writers, a plethora of writers, and they're all writing about the same thing, about the human condition. And uh, you can break any story down, and it's about the human condition. It may be personified, with an animal or something, but it's about the human condition. That's what we know, and that's what we write about. Or what we want to know. Right. True. Because we're all still asking, you know, why are we here? Exactly, exactly. And who are we? Right. You know, You know. it's, um, it's easy to say that I'm a writer or an accountant or... Um, a teacher or whatever, but uh, who are you really? And so it, that comes from being still and quiet and um, meditative prayer. That, and you have to know what you believe. Now, what were some of the things that you learned in the process of, of writing this book and, and getting it published and out that you think you might be able to go back and apply to some things that you've already written? Uh, well, I didn't realize uh, what um, what an ordeal it is. To go <laughs> it is I mean, you just have to... Um, I'm a perfectionist, so I really like things perfect. And I, if I see grammar problems, and, you know, everybody does it, it's hard to um, edit your own work. It really is. It really is. And I had editors, and they still missed it miss different things and it i just cringe when i pick it up and i find a a a small mistake most people read right through it and they don't notice it but uh i it drives me crazy (laughs) so i'm going i mean i had it edited professionally and it still had problems in it so um not big problems but are you able to um manage your time or do you binge write do you do you have a schedule you sit down and i'm going to write so much or um or or do you just write and write and write until you have to take a break if i get into it i will write until i have to take a break i mean i what i love about writing is that you are suspended in time and it just feels like you are in eternity because Five hours will go by, and you will go, wow, I've been sitting here for five hours. 
Well, we we always have this sort of fantasy about writers that they go off to a cabin, you know, in in uh, in the Northeast somewhere and and just sort of disappear from the grid for six months and come out with the great American novel. Um, is it is it like that at all? It's it's kind of a solitary process. It is. It is a solitary process, and uh, I have such a busy life with my family and grandchildren, and uh, I, I play on the Houston Ladies Tennis Association teams, and so I live a very busy life, believe it or not, <laughs> but um, I have to make time. I have to say, okay, I'm going to write from this time to the, you know, till I stop. And I just have to force myself to do it. And I have not had a problem with um, um, not knowing what to write. I, I generally have a problem of what to cut, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is always tricky, especially if you're kind of a perfectionist. Was it a little, a little rough getting, uh, you know, when, when you had it professionally edited, getting that, uh, that first set of edits back? Um, uh, yes, yes, I, um, you know, I, it was great seeing it from a different perspective and, and some of the things surprised me that, why didn't I catch that? I know that, you know, so yeah, but it's good to have other eyes on your work and, and, uh, you know, I wanted the males to read it too, because it's written in that male voice and if it didn't ring true, then let me know about it. No, I don't carry my feelings on my shoulder when it comes to that. You know, I just just take it and change it. Well, that's a big that's a big part of the process, and and it takes several times. And I, and I think you're uh, I think you're right, Linda, when you say it's very difficult to edit your own work. It is. <laughs> you can't get caught up in the story, and you're thinking about all of the um, the different subplots that you're trying to pull together and did I bring this one in did I bring this one in you know and you're thinking of structure and then you get caught up in the story and then you forget about grammar you forget about things like that you know well now that the book is out and and this has been kind of a strange time to release a book um, especially for a first-time novelist are, are you able to get out and meet people and get feedback from people who've read the book? Do you enjoy that part of it? I do. Uh, and, you know, it's been hard with COVID. It really has because the book signings and things like that uh, just weren't happening because, you know, because of COVID. And, uh, but it's starting to lighten up a little bit now. Uh, I'd have uh, had people write in on my Facebook page and things like that, and I had this one guy around Christmas. He said he wrote, he bought twelve copies, one for each of his kids and grandkids and friends, and so that was very wow. encouraging. That's nice. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a great testimonial right there. Right. Um. Linda, I I can't believe how fast the time is going, and we just have a couple of minutes left. Um, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Uh, no, but I have a Facebook page. It's Linda S. K. 
Cunningham, early Thursday, Linda S. Cunningham, and I have a trailer. Uh, my publicist, uh, Scott Lorenz, um, had a trailer made for the book, and it's wonderful. And so you can just, it's on YouTube. So just YouTube, early Thursday, Linda S. Cunningham. And I put S in there because that's uh, the initial of my maiden name. But, um, you know, there's so many Linda Cunninghams out there. <laughs> it's a very common name. So I was trying to distinguish myself. But you can get it on Amazon. Uh, you can get it on Barnes & Noble, uh, Walmart, Target, all the major retailers. And uh, you can get it in uh, Kindle as well. In bookbaby.com, you can get it on Kindle. Well, Linda, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege, and, and best of luck with the book and with uh, all your other endeavors. Well, thank you so much. It, it was my pleasure to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you. That was uh, Linda S. Cunningham. She is the author of a book called Early Thursday, a novel. It's uh, Early Thursday, A War, A Hurricane, A Miracle. And uh, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. For a while, so I'll be staying here inside. It's too dangerous out in the world. I'll see you on the other side. But when I'm in my quarantine, in my little place too high, my heart is aching and I'm missing you. I'll see you on the other side. We're all in for a bumpy ride
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. One, two, three, four, five. Once again now roll the boat ashore Hallelujah Michael roll the boat ashore Keep it rolling Hallelujah Everybody hum Wait a second Dickie Dick we we hum it this I want to go back to the start and take it one more time from the top Oh, Michael, row the boat ashore. I'd just like everybody to join in this time. Okay, one more time. Okay. Right. Gang, in a world torn asunder by strife and by unhappiness, what sound in the world enters into our heart and brings love and brotherhood but the sound of people's voices joining together and singing? So let's roof the rafters, people. Let's fill this room with the most joyous sound known to man. People. People singing. For in the ether of the air, in the great sky of, of, the, of the faraway land, fill the sky, the musical sky, with voices intertwining themselves in a giant choral arrangement like colors in your mind and lines going up and down as the voices of people join together. So friends, let's fill this room with love. Let's fill this room with music and song. For people driving by, maybe outside, they'll be in their car and we'll be in here singing, they'll be driving by and, and as they drive by they'll probably say, What the hell's going on? Let's sing out now, friends. Michael, row the boat ashore. Sing out. Hallelujah. Which guy? The girl, the guy with the the girl with the blonde hair. You the weren't singing that... very well there. Would you join in with us and fill it? You will. You will. You'll sing with us now, huh? Go ahead. <laughs> Here we go, gang. Michael rowed the boat ashore. Row that boat ashore. Come on, Mike. Everybody 
Trim those sails. Trim those sails. Pull on those oars, baby. <laughs> hey, I know what let's do again. Now, what do you want to do? Every time we, we, we're humming, you want to do something different? Well, I have an idea that I like. Why don't we, gang, why don't... People with love in your hearts. Uh, let's all show our love. Let's all open. Let's start the hum. Go back to the. Take it from the top of the hum. Top of the hum. But this time, let's all hum with our mouths open. Well, but, well why do you want to do that? We we'll get more volume. If well, why we, do you? We have plenty of volume. Why do you want more volume? So that Michael can hear us. Maybe even Ralph will hear us. <laughs> hear us also. So, gang, let's all hum with our mouths open this time and get Tommy, a little more volume. That's a nice idea. Really, that's a great idea. But you so, cannot hum with your mouth open. Yes, you do. All you you don't to... ask anybody to hum with their mouth open. Yes, all you have you to do... You can't do that. You so old. Listen, if you tried to hum with your mouth open, you could hurt yourself. That's too bad. Yeah. So he is. I'll tell you what. If you want more volume, why don't you ask everybody to ah? Oh. I mean, not just a regular awe, but like this. Ah, 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 ah. See, it's louder, it's easy to do, and if you ask everybody in this entire room to awe together in unison to Michael, you will experience a thrilling, exciting, vibrant, it'll be a, a vibrant experience, tremendous. Let's all open up our hummers now and all awe together, okay? Everybody except you. You hum with your mouth open. <laughs> Hear that, Michael? <laughs> we'll help you trim those sails and roll that boat, won't we, gang? Everybody. Michael This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Once
flew so high, he touched the sky, and down he fell into a grieving sea. Icarus, where are you? Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 